This is John Ensminger, General Manager of the Southern Nevada Water Authority in Las Vegas Valley Water District, and you're listening to the Water Values Podcast. The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations, by Interra, Innovation and Stewardship for a Sustainable Tomorrow, by Xylem, Let's Solve Water, by the American Water Works Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource, by Black & Veatch, Building a World of Difference, by Trinix, Trust in What's Next, by Mentor APM, Intelligent Asset Management Software, Built for Water, and by Woodard & Curran, High Quality Consulting Engineering, Science, and Operation Services. This is Session 229. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGibson. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thank you so much for joining me. Well, wowza, big news in the water industry since we were last with you, and we'll get to that in a sec, but first we have the great Pat Sinecropi as our guest today. Pat is the Executive Director of the Water Reuse Association. She's going to provide some perspective on the strides water reuse has made since she was last on the podcast, and she'll also address some exciting current issues and projects highlighting water reuse. Pat's awesome, as you know, and you'll really enjoy this episode and the interview she gives. And for the big news, Xylem agreeing to choir Evoqua, well, Reese Tisdale will be here for a Bluefield on Tab segment to break it all down. As you know, we always say thank you to our awesome sponsors at the top of the show. Uh, sponsors of the Water Values Podcast include Interra, Xylem, the American Water Works Association, Black & Veatch, Trinix, Mentor APM, and Woodard & Curran. That, my friends, is a terrific collection of impactful companies that have decided to support water industry, thought leadership, and education. Thank you to each and every one of the sponsors, and thank you for listening. And I'd like for you to do me a favor, if you would, please. If you work for or with any of the sponsors, please thank your boss or your contact at the sponsor firm and tell them you appreciate their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship. You would be surprised how far that little simple note of thanks will go. And as long as you're letting the sponsors know you appreciate their support of water industry education and thought leadership, why not leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, or whatever other podcast directory you're accessing the podcast on. It would be greatly appreciated and, of course, helps others find out about the podcast. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to the Water Values Podcast. Well, before we head on to the interview with Pat, let's get to our Bluefield on Tap segment with Bluefield Research's Reese Tisdale and his analysis of the Xylem acquisition of Evoqua. So take it away, guys. Reese, welcome back to another Bluefield on Tap. How you doing? I am pretty good, Dave. Waiting for the, uh, I don't know if we're calling this the polar vortex, but I'm sort of <laughs> hunkering down for the weekend. So uh, that's, you know. Well, hey, you, can, you can dream of spring training because uh, pitchers and catchers report here pretty soon. Um dream is one thing <laughs> yeah amen uh so i i almost had the 40 and slip and uh said xylem on tap uh because obviously that's the big news that's been running around the water industry for the past couple of weeks uh xylem announced 
Xylem and Evoqua announced a $7 billion all-stock acquisition. What uh, What's this mean for the water sector? So I really have um, three real points to make on this deal. Um, one, obviously, it's a big deal. You really don't see a lot of big, not only uniquely pure play water deals, like two larger big brands in the water sector acquiring one another. I mean, the only comparable is really more recently Violi Suez, um, there were some other deals. I think we talked about. Yeah, it was it twenty twenty one? I don't remember now. Time's gotten away from me. But you know, billion dollar deals, whether it be New Mountain Capital buying Aegean or Autodesk buying Innovis. Um, So those are examples. But I think the um, other part of it is that there are re- there are key signals to come out of this um, as a whole. And I, I will preface this by saying, while this is a big surprise, I think to much of the market not a surprise. Xylem has been hunting Evoqua for the better part of five years. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's sort of an open secret, so to speak. But if there are key signals of this, it's really one, uh, industrial really is a topic du jour. And I would say it's changed a little bit. One in that in 2014-15, Xylem actually had a bigger footprint in the energy space. They've sort of largely gotten away from that. Evoqua is not in that space. Now the industrial focus has been largely more increasingly towards lighter industries, things like food and beverage and semiconductors and sort of light pharmaceutical would be another one. Um, Evoqua strong in that space. Um, The other is sort of services, recurring services. Evoqua does that. More than half their revenues are recurring. Xylem is more of a hardware player. They're selling pumps and other treatment systems. Um, so this is a nice complementary acquisition. And then lastly, is really, uh, say, corporate sustainability or ESG, you know, m- may or may not be a dirty word, but there are policies or regulations coming in place, particularly in Europe, um, with a new EU directive. Um, so a lot to unpack there, sort of throw it all out there. But yeah, I think there's a lot happening in this deal. Yeah, so... Uh, when you kind of look ahead and see what might be on the horizon next, are there? You said this was a nice complimentary deal. Are there other potential deals out there that you kind of see as making sense or being a good fit? I mean, like I said, you don't see a lot of big deals in the water sector. But even if you just look at Xylem and Evoqua, they've sort of laid out their strategy. And I'll use 2017 as sort of ground zero. That's when Evoqua had its IPO. Um, Since then, they did some restructuring. But they just made a bunch of smaller acquisitions, sort of rounding out their portfolio with through smaller deals. Xylem did something similar, quite honestly, over the past couple of years, looking at things you know, a big focus has been digital. They want, 20, by 2025, they want 50% of their revenues to come from digital. So they were acquiring companies like, you know, they did acquire Census, a larger deal, several hundred million dollars, but then it was Valor Water and other things like that. So I think we'll just see more of that. One area where I do see some potential uh, roll-up of technology solutions providers is actually on water quality related. So things like PFAS, I think there are a lot of small players out there sort of beyond the activated carbon. Um, Evoco already has a position in that space. So there's going to have to be a lot of one new tech that's that exists in some cases, but it would be beneficial to these companies. Yeah. 
what does it mean for the sector uh, at, at large? Is are there is this a you know a harbinger of things to come uh, for uh, consolidation in the water sector? Any, I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there continues to be consolidation. Although M and A as a whole this year, I don't have the final count right now. It's been down sort of across the board. I mean, twenty twenty one was a big year for M and A. I mean money was cheap, a lot of private equity activity, but just strategics. Um, if anything, you know, and I may have mentioned this to you is, you know, this, these are two U S based companies. They have strong footprints in the U S I mean, evoke was 82% North America or U S based, uh, Xylem, um, not quite as much. They're a bit more diversified geographically, but the dollar's still strong. So these are companies that both are looking, outside of the U.S. So I think we're starting to see a little bit of activity, U.S. dollars going abroad, picking off some uh, lower uh, lower cost assets for companies. The big deals are hard, right? I mean, like I said, um, consolidation, that'll continue to roll forward. Um, or they're, they're just, you know, like I said, this one is so unique. It's like two pure play water companies. You just don't see that. There's so few of those companies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Xylem, quite honestly, they're among publicly traded companies, as far as, you know, we how we uh, rank them, they're number two in the world as far as publicly traded uh, water revenue-based companies. Yeah. You absolutely did uh, uh, in your top, what was it, your top five or your top ten uh, things to look out for. Will, will U.S. dollars go abroad with a strong dollar cause acquisitions internationally? So. I don't know. Interest rates are, man, they're going up. Money, I don't know what's going to happen to the dollar. We'll see. Maybe strong forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the Wall Street Journal reports that um, that the, the stock market is betting, uh, based on its performance so far this year, that uh, they don't think, the, they think, the, I think the headline was the, fl- the Fed is bluffing about continued high interest rates. They think they can get it under control and pull it back down. So we'll see. I mean, one, yeah, I mean, one th- quick thing about this deal that's interesting, it's an all-stock transition transaction. Um, it does put Evoqua, you know, the sellers at some risk. I mean, if the market really tanks over the next, you know, three to six months, I mean, they may actually ultimately get less out of this deal. I mean, it's a long play, obviously, but it's interesting that there's no no cash involved. Yeah, yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, Reese, always great information from you. Thanks so much for reporting in, and we'll talk to you soon. And I uh, hope you survived that polar vortex. Yeah, you too. Stay warm. You're way ahead of me as far as temperature goes. <laughs> All right. Well, take it easy. We'll see you. All right. Bye. Take care. As always, great information from Bluefield Research and Reese Tisdale's great insights into the Xylem acquisition of Evoqua. Now it's time for the main event with Pat Sinecropi. So let's get that water flowing. Well, Pat, welcome back to the Water Values Podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, it's terrific to have you back. Yeah, it's terrific to have you back on. Uh, It's been a while. You know, it's been about four to five years, I think. It has. I think the last time we spoke, I just, uh, I was just taking the job and getting started as the executive director. So, yeah. So a lot has changed. Uh, What, what, could you give us a thumbnail on kind of what's, what's transpired over the last five years in the water reuse space? Well, so much has transpired. Um, 
first and foremost, we've had a federal initiative launch on water reuse, the National Water Reuse Action Plan uh, launched in 2020, uh, which we were very, um, very much a part of uh, in helping to shape and helping to implement the action items in that plan. Uh, that's that, that's really spawned a great deal of activity and interest across the country. Um, and it's also gal- galvanized, I think, a lot of activity throughout the federal family, the federal government on water recycling. Um, of course, we had the uh, bipartisan infrastructure legislation uh, pass um, in 2021, uh, which uh, which authorized a great deal of money, a billion dollars for Western water recycling. It also established a federal interagency working group on water reuse um, and authorized the first uh, national water reuse action plan. Uh, so that has been um, uh, there's been a lot of activity on the federal level, but in addition to that activity on the federal level, a lot of states have been moving forward with initiatives on their own. California, obviously, uh, has come uh, has has come forward with a, a lot of a lot of funding, but a lot of ac- regulatory activity around moving toward DPR. Other states are moving toward direct potable reuse. Um, so there's just been a lot lots of activity in the last five years, and it's been really great to see. Absolutely. So let, let me, let me ask you a little follow-up on what you just provided. You, you, you mentioned the billion dollars for Western water reuse uh, from the infrastructure investment and jobs act. Uh, has that started rolling out? What has been the impact of that billion dollar uh, allocation so far? Um, it has started to roll out um, a good chunk of it uh, through the bureaus program has been released um, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think a uh, little more than $250 million has been awarded uh, to projects around the West, um, including El Paso's uh, direct potable reuse project um, that I was very fortunate to um, uh, participate in the announcement of that uh, grant award in September. So that was a lot of fun. Um, there are two components to that program. One is for uh, smaller scale projects, uh, such as uh, at least smaller cost wise projects that, like uh, such as uh, El Paso. And the other piece is large scale, uh, an award for larger scale regional projects. And that program is, is they're still developing, I think, the rules for that program. So I think we'll see that roll out um, over, uh, over the next several months. Yeah. And with all this activity that you've kind of mentioned, like what are, what are you seeing as the drivers behind all this activity? What, what's the cause of all that? Well, you know, uh, different drivers depending on different where you are, right. Um, obviously in the West, of course, right now we're seeing a lot of rain, um, in California, but, uh, the flip side has, is that there's been a lot of drought, persistent severe drought in the West. And that certainly has galvanized a lot of attention, a lot of interest in water recycling in that region. Um, I think in the East, we're seeing um, some drought is driving the interest, um, but a lot of interest is being driven by um, 
depleting aquifers, depleting groundwater supplies um, from uh, uh, growing population demand, um, growing demand by business, um, uh, growing pressures on aging infrastructure systems, uh, coupled with the uh, effects of being in wetter climates and not having um, the ability to upgrade those systems, really not wanting to upgrade those systems in the same way that they were originally conceived. That's driving a lot of interest in decentralized systems. And for example, we see what New York is doing at at the decentralized scale in response to a very serious um, uh, centralized wastewater system uh, challenges that they have. Um, and then the water quality issues on the in the east. Um, uh, a great example is what Florida is doing. Uh, Florida has recently passed legislation that uh, will ban all discharges of non-beneficial uh, wastewater effluent to surface water bodies by, I believe, 2035. Um, and that was really driven by water quality concerns for Florida's surface waters. Um, and so a lot of different different drivers, different places. Um, but I think what we're seeing is a recognition that, you know, regardless of your water challenges, your water resource management challenges, water recycling can play a role in solving them. Um, and we're seeing that uh, play out around the country. Great. Terrific. Now, you mentioned uh, business as being one of the drivers. Uh, we've obviously seen business take a greater interest in kind of sustainability or corporate sustainability or ESG issues. Uh, how has water reuse played into those corporate sustainability goals? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, companies um, themselves are consumers of water. Many, many are. Um, we see that in the high tech field with uh, data centers in the advanced manufacturing field. Uh, we see that um, as well in the food and beverage, obviously. So they need, uh, you know, their attention is on, can we uh, have a reliable, sustainable supply of water? And um, and what do we need to do? They see what's happening around the country and around the world with respect to the impacts that, of climate, uh, climate change. And they want to be good stewards. Uh, they want to be responsible stewards of uh, natural resources, of water resources in the communities where they are their facilities are located. Um, so we're seeing um, companies like Amazon that operate a lot of large data centers that uh, consume a lot of water for cooling um, move toward water recycling as a way of reducing the negative adverse, potential adverse impacts of, of those operations. Um, same thing with, with Tesla. Um, and their advanced manufacturing facility outside of Reno, uh, turning to water uh, water recycling uh, for their uh, for their processes, manufacturing processes. Um, so we're seeing. I think that the I think industry wants to be sensitive to uh, water resources challenges. They want to be good neighbors. 
Um, they want to reduce their environmental footprint and they recognize that water recycling can um, provide them an opportunity to do so. Yeah. A lot of businesses talk about going water positive. So what, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Well, it means that they're probably not only doing reuse and uh, to meet their own water demands inside their facilities, but they are committed to uh, uh, putting back water into the natural environment. Um, and so that's exciting. Um, uh, they just, they don't want to be net consumers of water. They want to be net providers of water. Um, and so we, we had a chance to visit, uh, Israel this past year and, uh, an Intel facility there and an example of a net positive, um, uh, water uh, system at an industrial scale is is their uh, a semiconductor uh, uh, facility there in in uh, in Israel. They they provide a excess water that uh, they don't necessarily need at at their plant to local farmers. Um, I think Amazon has um, also uh, plans on the books to do that for facilities in California. So I think it's a great thing. Um, I think it's an important, uh, important uh, opportunity. And, um, and, you know, it's great to see technology uh, and innovative thinking um, uh, enable companies to think along uh, net being a net positive user of water sources, water resources. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I'd be interested in how the Water Reuse Association is um, is kind of encouraging businesses to adopt kind of water resource strategies. Not maybe not all the way to net positive, but at least more water reuse strategies. Yeah, thanks for that question. We are we are um, uh, we we just formed a partnership with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and. Um, the University of Penn, Pennsylvania's Water Center uh, to, for around an award, recognition award, uh, com- industry commercial uh, water recycling champion award. Um, that uh, the first of which will be uh, will be uh, announced and presented at our upcoming symposium in in March in Atlanta, um, and the award is designed to recognize. Uh, leaders and indus- industry leaders, uh, Fortune 1000 companies that have, ma- have made significant commitments to water recycling um, and showcase the, the work that they're doing. So we're excited about that. And um, we're working more closely with industry to, to see how we can be helpful as an association to encourage and, and incentivize more of this. We're, we're looking at things at the policy level, such as an industrial uh, tax credit that can um, incentivize companies to um, to invest in water recycling. Um, there's actually language in uh, the omnibus legislation that Congress passed before the holidays that asks EPA to study the uh, potential benefits of um, an industrial of a tax credit program to incentivize 
industrial commercial ad- adoption of uh, water recycling. So there's a lot we're doing um, and it's, it's great to have good partners uh, with, um, with uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Veolia, UPenn in this, in the efforts that we're, we're trying to pursue. That's awesome. I'd, I'd love to hear that the Water Use Association is out front leading the charge on that, as you would expect. Um, you also talked about El Paso's um, advanced water uh, purification facility, and you know, I'd mm-hmm. like to I'd like to talk about that a little more in terms of. Uh, do you have any details on it in terms of what the scale is, or how much water it's going to be reused, things of like that? Um, it's, it's, um, it should be, uh, launching in 2025. It will be, um, uh, a direct potable, uh, reuse project. The wa- the water, uh, being treated at the wastewater treatment plant will be treated to, um, drinking water standards and sent directly to, uh, the drinking water distribution system. And it'll be about a 10 MGD facility, uh, so about 10 million gallons a day will be provided uh, to the distribution drinking water uh, system for El Paso, uh, which is, um, I, I don't have the right off the top of my head, right? How much, what percentage of it, but it's a, it's about, I think a 30% um, of their full drinking water supply uh, for the city. So they're excited about it. I think it's a, a good start. It's the f- going to be the first DPR project at that scale um, in the U.S. Um, and uh, and so I think it'll be a model that um, that other communities will are are anticipating uh, and um, looking will be looking at to uh, to see if they can. Uh, would be able to follow a similar similar project design. Absolutely, I'm very interested to see how the populace reacts to the you know, the you know the, the direct potable reuse model. Uh, you know, because for years we've been talking about, hey, you got to get over the yuck factor, right? Um, and it would be just great to break down those psychological barriers uh, and recognize that we've always been doing it this way. We're just you know, the, the next town upstream is, is who's waste right. drinking. Yeah. I think, uh, from, from what I uh, can see and what I've been told, um, El Paso residents are embracing it. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, the reception has been, has been quite positive. Um, you know, when, when you're in a, a part of the country where, where the, um, options for, uh, drinking water are dwindling and you're facing, um, you know, you're, you're facing running out of water it really um, serves to focus the, the mind and, um, you know, focus on what's really um, viable, safe and, um, and, and, and encourage, uh, you know, the ratepayers to really take a serious look at um the uh, viability of of DPR and I think they did that and I think they realized as you said that um we've been doing indirect you know de facto potable reuse for um centuries yeah 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the El Paso project, as you mentioned, it's the biggest uh, from a scale perspective in the U.S. What other advances uh, have we seen in the potable reuse sector? Um, well, I think we're seeing more decentralized systems, possibly inching toward potable, supplying potable supply uh, to the facilities where they're located. Um, uh, we are, uh, we're, I don't know if we're quite there yet, but I think it's just a matter of time. Um, I think we're seeing more stormwater capture projects um, that are um, integrating potable uh, supply aspects to into the design. Um, so uh, more, a lot of environmental restoration projects um, coming online using, using recycled effluent. So awesome. It's my understanding Colorado uh, enacted some uh, legislation or regulations about DPR in 2022. Can you talk about those a little? Yes. Um, at the end of last year, Colorado Department of Public Health issued uh, direct re rules around direct potable reuse. Um, they are um, one of the first in the nation to do so. Um, and those, I think, will um, allow, those will allow Colorado communities to, to move toward DPR, those that want to. Um, they're they're designed in a way to be as flexible as possible to allow uh, communities to um, decide what type of treatment plant uh, treatment process works best for them. The rules do place a preference on reverse osmosis as the ideal uh, treatment train process to ensure pure water, but you're not necessarily um, required you can you can overcome that presumption of preference toward re reverse osmosis with uh science and justification for alternative treatment trains so so it does have a treat a preference does provide a preference on a treatment technology but um it's not ironclad so we think it provides a decent amount of flexibility for communities to design uh dpr systems that work best for them yeah Excellent. Uh, I also know that that since you were on last, Los Angeles uh, uh, committed to recycling its wastewater rather than uh, just yes. you know discharging yeah. discharging it. So yes, they it did. It, so how, can you talk a little about that and how? Because uh, it's been a few years since they announced that, and I'm just kind of yeah. curious how the the process is coming. Well, um, it, it was a, a big, big commitment by 2035. Um, the mayor at the time, uh, Mayor Garcetti, uh, made a commitment to recycle 100% of the wastewater effluent at, um, at their wastewater treatment plant for um, uh, recycling. Um, that has coupled with the, the program that met water and this county of LA are pursuing a partnership called Next Generation, um, which is also one of the largest water reuse projects in the country. So combined, uh, those two projects will really uh, replumb Southern California's water uh, system and water infrastructure. They're 
they're big projects. Uh, these projects are not easy to um, pull together. Uh, they involve a great deal of um, of engineering, a great deal of money, um, and a great deal of collaboration uh, between um, between the various agencies involved. So it's moving forward. Um, uh, in fact, uh, during our symposium in March, uh, we'll be hearing from uh, Nancy Sutley, um, the uh, Los, Los Angeles uh, the Director of Sustainability and External Affairs for the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, um, who one of the agencies leading the effort. Uh, so come to the symposium. You'll get the latest and greatest on on their on their progress toward uh, their 2020, 20, uh, 2035 goal. Great. So r- real quick, can you uh, uh, tell us a little more about the symposium in terms of where it is, when it is and all that? Sure. Thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> our uh, the annual water reuse symposium uh, is the largest, um, and we think the the best gathering of um, uh, water reuse professionals in the country, um, and for that matter, in the world. Um, it uh, it is in uh, Atlanta this year. It's coming up March fifth through eighth. Um, at the Marriott Marquis in Atlanta, we um, we expect to have seven eight hundred uh, participants attending. Um, it's a technical conference. There are a lot of uh, sessions on the uh, latest research and um, and uh, technologies on water recycling. It's a policy conference. Uh, there will be several discussions occurring around uh, state policy, federal policy, local policy initiatives. Uh, It's a great place to find out what's happening um, on uh, funding issues and financing water recycling programs. Um, And it's just a great place to come and and learn in general about uh, what water reuse has has to offer your, your community and your company. We're excited this year. We will be um, in conjunction with the symposium, uh, state regulator, regulatory officials who oversee water recycling at the state level will be convening a summit um, uh, in which they're able to share information and lessons learned about uh, regulatory developments they're working on in their respective states. Um, the Water Research Foundation, a partner in hosting the symposium, uh, we'll be g- conducting a, a workshop um, on uh, on uh, uh, the sci- research topics related to water recycling. We're having a communications workshop. So there's a lot going on. We're very excited. The keynote this year is AP Heard, um, uh, a uh, uh, professor out of um, California that w- looks at uh, – uh, the cities of the future and uh, resource management um, in uh, in uh, in the urban context. So we're excited, and we uh, we hope uh, uh, those who haven't yet registered register and come down to Atlanta uh, to be with us for the symposium. Thanks, Pat. Uh, all that it's I mean it sounds awesome. All that said 
sounds like it's an exciting time for water, the Water Reuse Association. What what do you see as being kind of next for the Water Reuse Association? What's the future hold? Well, you know, we are um, we just adopted a new five year strategic plan um, that I think recognizes the diversity of um, the sector and the growth of the sector. Um, we, uh, so we'll be pursuing, I think, um, a strategy where we are able to, uh, serve and meet, um, the policy and technical interests of water managers, um, who are interested in a wide variety of, of water recycling from not only potable, but also, um, industrial and, um, environmental restoration and stormwater capture and reuse. So we're expanding our uh, portfolio of offerings. Um, we're growing, you know, this, this past year, we added three new sections, um, mid-Atlantic sec- section in Maryland and Virginia and DC. We added a South Carolina section and we added New Mexico sections. I think we'll continue to see interest in establishing sections. And so um, and we're we're excited about the new partnership with um, around industrial reuse with with uh, with the partners I mentioned earlier. So a lot going on um, and uh, a lot to a lot to look forward to for the organization. Well, that sounds awesome, Pat. Uh, very excited. You know, you've been so generous with your time today. Thank you so much. I, it's always great speaking with you. I'm sorry it took us five years to to, to reconnect on the podcast. Um, let me ask you this. Do you have a leave behind message uh, about water reuse that you'd like to, to leave with the listeners? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think um, my leave behind would be, you know, we have a lot of water challenges facing us over the next 20 to 50 years. And um, while water recycling um, may not be able to, to, to be the silver bullet to solve all of those issues, um, it's certainly an important, very important, and an increasingly more important tool in the in the toolbox for us uh, to um, to use as part of the solution um, and part of the way communities and businesses will um, will be solving their water challenges will be through water recycling and water u- reuse. I think it's inevitable. Um, I think we'll see the growth um, growing because of it. So my leave behind would be, um, you know, for those that haven't yet taken a look at water recycling, um, you know, I'd encourage them to do so because uh, I think it's it's an essential, essential ingredient, essential tool um, for the future of your water management portfolio. Great. Great. Absolutely, wholeheartedly agree with that. It's not a silver bullet. It's a piece of the puzzle. Well said. Uh, for those who want to find out more about you, Pat, and the and the Water Reuse Association, where can they go to get that information? Waterreuse.org, one R, waterreuse.org. Um, and uh, you can find out information there. You can follow me on LinkedIn, um, Patricia Sinecropi, and you can come down to Atlanta March 5th through the 8th and join us for the annual water reuse symposium. Fantastic. Well, Pat, thank you again for sharing your time with us. 
very much appreciated. And I hope 2023 uh, brings many more advances to uh, the water reuse uh, and the advocacy you guys do. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Dave. Bye, Pat. Bye. Pat's just absolutely terrific. And it's great to see the Water Reuse Association thriving under her leadership. I'd love to know what you thought about the interview with Pat. Please check out the show notes page for the links and information uh, on this episode. Just Google the Water Values Podcast. Click the first link that comes up. That will take you to the landing page at our home on the web provided by Bluefield Research. Again, the Water Values LLC and Bluefield Research are not affiliates. We just have a joint marketing agreement. And as part of that, Bluefield Research gives the Water Values Podcast a home on the web. So thanks, guys. If you still use Twitter, you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag Water Values. And you can tweet at me using my handle at DTM1993. You can email me at david.mcgimsey at dentons.com. And you can sign up for the newsletter at that landing page I mentioned earlier as well. Well, thank you again for tuning in and I hope you make it a great day. Plus I want to give a huge thank you to our sponsors. Again, sponsors of the water values podcast include Intera, Xylem, the American waterworks association, black and Veatch, Trinix, mentor APM and Woodard and Curran. This show wouldn't be possible without those great companies and industry leaders. And again, thank you for listening and subscribing to the water values podcast. I truly appreciate it. Well, in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the water values podcast thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me well thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer i'm a lawyer licensed in indiana and colorado and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.